Thank you again so much to those who have helped to put our worship services together. For Sharon Cook, who was our liturgist today. For Gary Brubaker and the praise team, who always put together our music so well. For Melody, who worked um, to get all of our graduates' information together. For our memorial committee, who uh, keeps track of all the memorial gifts. For our in-person greeters and ushers, uh, thank you. As we continue and, and close this series on joy, it doesn't mean that we're closing joy, of course. Um, we're, uh, we're talking about finding joy because, gosh, who couldn't use more joy? Um, so we've talked about what the Bible says about joy, how we find it, uh, maybe even when we're not feeling that joyful or happy, um, what the difference is between joy and happiness, um, and how maybe we even create it. And so we've talked about um, joy complete, the joy of inclusion, the joy of church, and today we close with wonder and awe. So would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> Well, my nephew, Landon, um, he is eight now, but when he was, I don't know, he was about two or three, um, they went on a road trip, and um, when when they went on this road trip, he was fascinated by those wind turbines or the windmills. Um, that That's what he called them, was the windmills. Um, and when they got back home, and he was so excited to tell me, he said, Aunt Missy, guess what we saw? And he told me excited about these windmills. And I said, yeah, those are, you know, those are really cool. They're big. And, um, and he said, where do you think they came from? And, you know, my brain first went to, oh, well, you know, they probably have to bring it in on a truck and it goes in, you know, electrics and digging. And, um, I was like, yeah, it's a lot of work. And, um, and then he just kind of looked at me. And so I quickly changed courses and I said, where do you think they came from? And his eyes sort of sparked and lit up and he goes, I think they just showed up one day. I mean, it's not wrong, right? And um, so then, you know, I, a little bit later, I was talking with a friend and I was telling her the story and, and she said, well, actually, my husband helps deliver those pieces and, and he helps put them together. And so she told me a little bit about the process and how it works. And I said, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to be so excited. I'm going to tell my nephew. And so um, the next time I talked with him, um, I said, Landon, I know how these got built. And I started to tell him a little bit about the, the windmills. And, and I said, you know, they call them wind turbines. <laughs> oh, he said, and then he just sort of paused and I was like, here I was thinking I was like aunt of the year giving the best information. And he just went, <laughs> oh, well, I think they're still windmills and I think they just appeared one day. Well, maybe he's not wrong. Now, um, I think it was just a couple weeks ago, um, my niece, Emma, is three. And Emma is her own person through and through. I mean, it's actually kind of inspiring how much she is just herself. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, my sister found Emma climbing on her mommy and daddy's bed and climbing on the headboard. 
And my sister walked into the room and she said, Emma, what are you doing? And without missing a beat and a little annoyed that she was being asked to answer this question, she said to my sister, mom, I'm a firefighter and I'm rescuing a kitten from the tree and I'm climbing this ladder to get them. Of course. Oh my gosh. Now we love the wonder of children, right? That they have this way that they view the world of wind turbines or windmills or climbing the back of a bed that's a ladder to rescue a kitten from a tree. We love this wonder and, and the ways that they see the world, their curiosity and the answers that they create to life's questions. But now when it comes to adults, we've trained ourselves in ways to stop wondering. I mean, when was the last time you climbed on the back of your bed to rescue a kitten from a tree, of course? Or the last time you saw maybe a wind turbine or, or maybe, maybe it was the corn growing and you thought, how did that get there? Or did you think through, well, here's the process of how it gets there, which is true. And there's wonder in that too. And, and we've been told sometimes that, that wonder is really not a good use of time or our energy. Keep your head out of the clouds and your feet on the ground. And yet, it's also wonder and awe that's gotten us this far in life. Abraham Joshua Heschel, who was a, a, rab, a Jewish rabbi, famously said, Never once in my life did I ask God for success or wisdom or power or fame. I asked for wonder, and he gave it to me. Our goal in life isn't to have it all figured out, although we can try. And sometimes it's really satisfying. Our goal is to be sitting in wonder at the world and being amazed at the beauty of creation and in awe of what's happening all around us and what we get to be a part of. I think it's easier to love the world when we're captivated by its beauty. A few years ago, Diana Butler Bass, who is a Christian author and speaker, um, we've had several book studies that we've done of Diana Butler Bass's books, um, and she was interviewed a few years ago about one of her books and also the decline in Christian churches. And she referenced this Pew Research study, um, which had been done about the decline in churches and, and religion in the United States. And um, the study was something like 60 pages long. And on the first couple of pages, which were often, which I mean, usually are the headline pages, on the first couple of pages, there was a lot of doom and gloom. Um, there was a lot of reporting about how churches have been in decline and um, the impact and influence on religion in the United States. Um, and so she talked about that and she talked about the doom and gloom and she talked about these statistics. And then she said, but then on page 47, now, let's be honest, when those sorts of uh, research documents come out, who's reading to page 47? Diana Butler Bass is. Um, so she referenced um, somewhere around page 47, there were these questions. There's a question that was asked, when was the last time that you experienced joy that you couldn't explain? When was the last time that you experienced peace that you couldn't quite explain? 
When was the last time that you had wonder in the world? And for all of the negative numbers or the lower numbers found on the first pages, these questions produced like 60 to 80% of people. 60 to 80% of people experienced these things. Joy that they couldn't quite explain, peace, wonder. And she wondered out loud in this interview, how and when did these things get unplugged from our own Christian traditions? When did we stop using or talking about these things as a part of our religious language and experiences? Because these have always been a part of our faith. And her argument was, we may be disappointed in the decline in institutions, but there is religion and there is faith that's happening. And the tradition that she referenced is one that's a part of our tradition um, called mysticism or about the mystics. And mystics practice their faith in more experiential ways or describe their faith in more experiential ways. For example, Teresa of Avila described expressions and practices of faith as an interior castle in which she had a vision of the soul in the shape of a diamond. Have you ever imagined that before? Or have you ever imagined what does your soul look like? Other mystics had visions of the world and a faith that included everything from deserts to castles to intimate relationships and expressions of affection. Now, it's fair to say that most traditions have this expression of faith, a way of uh, expressing faith using images and metaphors or visions and dreams. And it's not necessarily charismatic in what we normally picture in those traditions of like speaking in tongues or being slain in the spirit. But it's, it's more about asking for wonder, like Abraham Joshua Heschel. So our scripture passage for today, the story of Nicodemus coming to see, see Jesus and ask him some questions. And Nicodemus comes to ask Jesus his questions, but he comes at night in the cover of darkness, because he doesn't want others to know he's asking this question. Now, perhaps he's been wrestling with something or he's seen something in Jesus or he's been wondering about something, but his faith tradition has told him that that's dangerous and that Jesus is dangerous, that Jesus is a problem or is, is not what they're looking for. And so Nicodemus comes to ask Jesus his question at night. But that very first statement that Nicodemus makes, it's not a question. It's, more, it's one of those statements that's kind of disguised as a question because a lot of times questions often are statements that someone is asking and wanting confirmation or, or not. Um, so the first thing that Nicodemus says to Jesus is, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And I think the underlying question is that, are you? 
Are you this kind of teacher? Do you come from the presence of God? Are you the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for? Please say yes. And then Jesus talks about being born again. And Nicodemus, he can't get the literal picture out of his head. The literal, he can't understand, he can't imagine anything more than literally. And so what that must be like, he's like, so do I like climb in my mother's womb again? I mean, how, how are you asking me to be born again? You know, he's stuck in his head, but not in his imagination or his wonder. And Jesus patiently explains things to him and invites him to imagine and to wonder into this wonder of faith. And then arguably the most famous verse of all time, John 3.16. This is such a famous verse that it's not just shared in churches, but you've probably seen it at the Super Bowl or at other sports events or at concerts, that it's one that's permeated our whole, our whole culture. John 3.16. Now you can probably say it along with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a beautiful verse, right? I mean, it's one that does encapsulate so much about our faith, and so much so that I think that sometimes the next verse has just as equal importance, but we forget that it's there. <clears throat> Indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Can you, can you just stop and think for a minute what that must love must be? Not to condemn a world that, that has caused harm, that, that has fallen short, that has sinned. For God so loved that world. And to love that world so much, not to condemn it, but to save it over and over and over and over again. Goodness. You know, I have to be honest. When I stop and think about that, And I think about what the love, what that love must feel like. I think about that song, um, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. This love, I mean, what does it feel like for you? A little warm hug, a chocolate chip cookie, a soft blanket, the scratch of a father's beard, the smell of grandma's perfume. See, it's really easy to wonder about our faith and to drift into dreaming 
when we lose the words. So I may not be able to describe God's love in words adequately. But sometimes these visions and images, they can describe it in ways that words aren't necessary. Have you been captivated by beauty of creation or with people? Have you been lost in awe? Recently, I was lost in wonder as I watched the sunset set over Lake Michigan. And the beauty and wonder of it made me think about a God who created all these things. The sun in the sky, the water at my feet, the birds shouting nearby, the smell of the flowers on the breeze, and me. And it's overwhelming. God so loved the whole world, the whole world. And in that world is me and you and us. And came to this world to offer us all life over and over and over and over again. That that brings me joy. I hope that it does you too. Joy is to know that love of God that is deep and full and sometimes without words to explain. Never once in my life did I ask God for success or wisdom or power or fame. I asked for wonder and he gave it to me. So may you wonder in the beauty of God all around us. May you be in awe of what God has done. And may we share that with others and with joy. Alleluia. Alleluia. And amen.